0: You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Jesus was not a Roman citizen. So when he taught nonviolence, he was not teaching from the social location of a Roman oppressor, but from the perspective of of an oppressed Jew, Jesus' nonviolence, it sprang from the tension that exists for for all who, who face oppression the tension between liberation and survival. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 237 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a a first-century Jewish Galilean prophet of the poor might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is from Seng's Gospel Vultures around a corpse. Our featured text is Sings Gospel Q 1737, where the corpse. Uh, Wherever the corpse, the vultures will gather. And our companion texts are Matthew 24, 28. Wherever there's a carcass, there the vultures will gather. gather. And Luke 17, 37. Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, Where there's a dead body, there vultures will gather. Well, Happy New Year to each one of you who are listening. And and as we begin this new year, we we actually only have four more sayings from Q in our series on, on this series. On the sayings of Jesus. And and we've been engaging this collection of of Jesus' sayings, or what scholars refer to as Sayings Gospel Q, now for. Uh, exactly two years. It, it, we began in in January of 2016, and it's been quite a journey we, that that we've been on this whole time. And I'm 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 deeply grateful to each of you who've been been tracking with us each week all along the way. And I, I'm also really excited about uh, where we'll be headed from here. Each week, we're going to continue to to publish podcasts and articles that that I believe give fresh perspectives on on how we can apply Jesus's sayings and teachings. In our world today as we work together to co- continue being a, a source of healing, of light, of love and compassion and justice in our world. And if you'd like to actually go back and read this entire series that we're about to wrap up from the beginning, I'll put a, a, a link to the very first installment of of this series um, it'll go all the way back to, to January 2016, and it's uh, we began with uh, part one, the sayings of Jesus. But let's let's jump right in this week. Our saying this week is again about gathering vultures, and and if we look at eagles and vultures, scholars have pointed out that the word translated in this week's text as vultures can just as accurately be translated as as eagles, and eagles would have been a locally appropriate term and and Jesus's audience wouldn't they would have recognized that the, the banner of the oppressive empire of uh, uh, that was subjugating them was Rome's bronze eagle and and whether we translate it as a vulture or an eagle Rome's symbol like America's today was it was a, a bird of 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 prey and as we begin this week i want to say that i believe All oppressed communities have the right to choose for themselves what manner of resistance or means of liberation they believe will best serve their aims. It's not the violent oppressor's place to impose on the oppressed the the restriction of of nonviolent resistance. And at the same time, as I shared last week, I teach and I believe in nonviolence. And and what that means is that I believe oppressed communities have the right to self-determination, and I believe nonviolence is a force more powerful than violence. And so I hold this tension as someone who who often benefits from others' oppression. My social location benefits me uh, from the oppression of others. And as someone who realizes that that nonviolence can be used to oppress others too, not just liberate them. Uh, oppressors can use nonviolence to to force the oppressed to, to stay passive and and, and and so use it as a, a conduit of of even more violence upon the vulnerable. And this is why. As a teacher of nonviolence who who also lives in a a certain social location today that I didn't ask for, um, I, I, I also believe strongly that oppressed communities, they have to have the right, they do have the right, to determine their responses for, for themselves. Um, and this leads right into our first point this week. Jesus was not a Roman citizen. So when he taught nonviolence, he was not teaching from the social location of a Roman oppressor, but from the perspective of, of an oppressed Jew. Jesus' nonviolence, it sprang from the tension that exists for, for all who, who face oppression, the tension between liberation and... And, and survival, and we've covered this in depth uh, before. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. For, for Jesus, nonviolent resistance, it gave those who were oppressed and working toward their liberation the best odds for surviving and experiencing liberation once they achieved it, to, to use violent forms of liberation, to use violence in their, their liberation efforts. Um, in first century uh, Judea, it was suicidal, when one uh, considered the 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 nature of the subjugation that they experienced under under Rome and 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 let's talk about that tension between liberation and survival again for a moment this this uh, last month in December uh, our reading course for for two 2017s book um, it was uh, Dolores Williams's book sisters in the wilderness and in this classic volume of of womanist theology Williams she captures this tension when she writes how do i shape a theology that at once that is at once committed to black women's issues and life struggles and simultaneously address the black community's historic struggle to survive and, and, and develop a positive productive quality of life in the face of death. Womanist theology challenges all oppressive forces impeding black women's struggle for survival and for the development of a positive, productive quality of life conducive to women's and the family's freedom and well-being. So she states that unequivocally, um, that, that like black liberation theology, womanist theology is also concerned With liberation. Yet there is this tension between liberation and survival, liberation and quality of life in the face of uh, of death. And she goes on to say like black male liberation theology, womanist theology assumes the necessity of responsible freedom for all human beings. But womanist theology especially concerns itself with the faith, survival, and freedom struggle of African American women. So what good is liberation if to accomplish it, you cease to exist. I, I, I guess there's a good for for future generations, but that's the vital question for, for all communities that face various types of oppression. And some, it's again, they answer by pointing to future generations that will benefit from, from our sacrifice today. But other womanist theologians, they answer this tension by retelling the Hebrew story of the slave woman, Hagar. Hagar wrestled uh, herself free from the oppression oppression of of God's chosen people, Abraham and Sarah, and and, and she was liberated. Yet as a, a runaway slave, she almost died in the wilderness. She had no resources for survival. And what does the God of of, of the story of Hagar what does this God tell Hagar in Genesis 16 9 it says then the angel of the Lord told her go back to your mistress and submit to her and Williams from this text she rightly critiques Liberation theologies that 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 do not hold a person's survival intention with their liberation and these th- these theologies they portray God as that as only liberator, she says those are problematic if it's only liberator. And in contrast, she writes God's response to Hagar's story in the Hebrew Testament is not liberation, rather, God participates in Hagar's and her child's survival on two occasions and she goes on to remind us that it wasn't until the the second liberation scene of the genesis narratives that that we see god helping hagar to to quote unquote make a way out of no way and and so accomplishing for her both, her survival and her liberation. And and the text that she bases that on is Genesis 21, 9 through, through 21. And she, she goes on to say, Thus it seems to me that God's response to Hagar and her child's situation was survival and involvement in their development of an appropriate quality of life that is appropriate to their situation and their heritage. So we see that though she was ultimately liberated in Hagar's story, it's a a liberation that that held in tension Hagar's survival on the way to liberation. So so let's talk about Jesus and and this tension of liberation and survival for a moment. As as we've said repeatedly throughout this series, and I'll put a link to to the very first one in renouncing the article entitled "Renouncing One's Rights." Jesus's teachings about nonviolent resistance. It was informed by the fact that for his followers to use violent resistance against Rome, it was to court certain failure, uh, and also, I believe, suicide. Over and over, Rome leveled to the ground any movement that even hinted at taking up arms against it. And some scholars believe um, that it was the the combination of, of Jesus being linked to armed transgressors and his his temple protest the combination of those two that resulted in his crucifixion at the hands of Rome you can find him being numbered with those transgressors uh, in the context of his temple protest in Luke 22 36 to 37 in his arrest by the temple police but using violence against Rome it was according to the jesus story it was to, it would be placing a higher priority on pursuing liberation without any regard for the survival and the quality of life of those who were engaging that work. Jesus saw using violence against his Jewish community's oppressors, um, against Rome, he saw that as an all-or-nothing, consequences-be-damned approach. Jesus' social vision, remember, for the human community was to be rooted in the nonviolent transformation of society. And yes, his way... Might end in a, on a cross. That's part of the story, um, and, and it's a cross that that his followers w- would also have to be willing to bear if they were threatened with it. But in in his context, to use violence as the means of liberation, it meant committing to a violent death as 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 a definite, not a possibility. It was the inevitable outcome. Those who take up the sword, the, those who live by the sword, will die. By the sword. There's the possibility of a cross in nonviolent resistance. There's the definite being placed on a cross if you used uh, violence against Rome. But both nonviolence and violence, remember, they have a failure rate. And and most often when violent liberation efforts fail, their failure is exponentially more catastrophic than when nonviolent liberations fail. Um, the, communities that face oppression, again, they have to weigh for themselves both the, the success and the failure rates of both kinds of efforts. And they have to choose for themselves which they believe have the best odds. But those who teach nonviolence, like me, we believe that that nonviolence... Is most often more powerful, and nonetheless, um, again, it's up to oppressed people to determine whether they believe that to be the case or not. But history is strewn with the, the stories of violent. And nonviolent liberation movements, both which failed and succeeded, and and I believe that people power is always more powerful than tyranny and oppression by a few. And it's it's also true that that people don't always have access to the same kinds of power that those at the top of the status quo do. To like like military power would be just one example. But the Jesus of the Gospels, in his own societal context, he believed in, and he taught nonviolent resistance as as the Best possible means of channeling um, people power, and I believe there's, there that there's much that that we can learn from the Jesus story today as we engage the work of survival and resistance and liberation and reparation and, and transformation. And again, it it's up to the communities themselves that 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 face oppression to determine what methods they will use to liberate themselves. But but it, it again it, it must not be determined for them by their oppressors. But Jesus stood within. His His own oppressed community, and he taught that nonviolence was the better way. And ultimately, history tells us that his Jewish society it did not ultimately embrace nonviolence as, as its path towards liberation. There's the Jewish-Roman War that ended in devastation for Jerusalem, and there was the, the Bar Chakba Revolt, which, which followed a, a generation later after Jesus, and it was even worse. It was a generation, actually not after Jesus, but a generation later after the destruction of Jerusalem, and it was catastrophic. It was, it's been it labeled as a Roman genocide of the Jewish people. So to recap this week oppressed communities again they possess the right to self-determination and i believe that nonviolence can be a path toward both liberation and survival nonviolence bridges the gap between the t- uh, the gap of the tension between uh, uh, liberation and survival where where violence uh, has a greater potential to, to maybe bring about liberation if it succeeds, um, but but it, th- th- there's there's very little survival uh, to, most often in the process. So um, this is Walter Wink. His words in, in his book, Jesus and Nonviolence, A Third Way, he writes, Violence is not an absolute evil to be avoided at all cost. It's not even the main problem, but only the presenting symptom of, Of an unjust society. And peace is not the highest good. It is rather the outcome of a just social order. The issue, however, is not just which works better violence or nonviolence but also which fails better. While a nonviolent strategy also does not always work in terms of present goals, though in another sense it always works, at least the casualties and destruction are far less severe. This gives us a, a a lot to think about this week as we continue pondering Jesus's teachings in relation to our work today towards towards justice and and peace work. Jesus' warning of, of wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather um, was a direct warning against following the, the violent liberation uh, movements of his day that would that would only end in death. Sings Gospel Q, 1737, Wherever the corpse, there the vultures will gather. Heart group application this week. I'd like you to, to take some time as a group as we begin this new year and watch a, a TED Talk for me. It's a 12-minute TED Talk by Erica Chenoweth. And in this book, uh, or in this podcast, sorry, she... it's about her journey towards believing in the futility of nonviolence to to doing some some research, just scientific research, on the results of nonviolent um, revolutionary movements and and what the facts actually uh, showed. So, so Again, it's a 12-minute TED Talk, um, and she's going to talk about a book she wrote on the same subject in that TED Talk. But after you do that, um, I, number two, what I want you to discuss as a group is how did this TED Talk... How did uh, Eric Chenoweth's, uh presentation how did it both challenge you some of your preconceived notions and and how did it inspire you? what questions did it raise for you and and, and what's the what's the number one top takeaway that you walked away from uh, this presentation with? And then number three, what are some of the ways that you too can can find balance as a heart group? between the works of of survival and the quality of life and and liberation as we c- continue to together engage the work that we find in in Luke 4:18 through 19 and lastly as we we kick off this new year if you're blessed through through our resources i'd like you to co- just please consider taking a moment and and making a a contribution to support our work. It takes hundreds of hours each month from the entire team here at at Renewed Heart Ministries to develop our podcasts and our articles and our our presentations. And if you you find blessing and encouragement and renewal here, then then partner with us in in making sure that our our work can continue and grow in in this coming new year. You can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on Donate at the top right or by mailing a contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And thank you, all of us here at Renewed Heart Ministries. Um, We wish you a happy, joyous, peaceful new year as we continue together to work towards making our world a safer, more just, uh, more compassionate home for us all. Till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. Happy New Year to each one of you. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.